0: Hello and welcome to the fourth week of the On The Vine podcast with me, Yaz Kirk, and the founder of Novel Wines, Ben Franks.
1: Thank you. Yeah, every week we're going to talk about the weird and wonderful world of wine and go deeper and follow the stories and everything else with a special guest each week the podcast is brought to you by Novel Wines and this week we've got a very special guest haven't we yes
0: very special guest indeed we've got John Ray who is a digital drinks specialist
1: excellent yeah John's from rewrite digital so let's get stuck in
0: okay John so thank you very much for being with us how are you
2: Very good, thanks. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Not a problem at all. So first of all then, a digital drinks specialist, what exactly uh, is that?
2: Well, yes, I mean, uh, digital is something that is changing every industry. Um, You can't really avoid it. And um, a lot of the time people don't use the word digital because it's sort of everywhere and it's ubiquitous. Um, But it does affect every industry and it's continuing to, to change. And in the drinks sector, um, uh, I've seen that, that actually there's a lot of change still to come and that the drinks industry as a whole is is sort of behind the curve from a lot of others. So I help um, uh, businesses within the industry um, realise the opportunities around digital and and help to put a plan together for them that is relevant to their brand um, to, to sort of harness those and, and to make more for their business.
0: And you're an independent business based here in the southwest. How do you find working um, in this region? There's a lot of independent sort of businesses and and people like that.
2: There are, yeah, and um, and a lot of uh, drinks businesses. So you know vineyards um, uh, for for starters, but a lot of um, new uh, drinks producers um, and on and off trade uh, vendors. So um, there's a lot of a lot of business here. Um, and uh, a lot of small businesses, so uh, they're all at different stages of of digital maturity. Um, but that's what makes it interesting. And um, and I and I work with a whole range of different businesses, and um, both in the area here um, and and more nationwide.
0: So your sort of um, goal is to rewrite the world of digital. So how do you digitise drinks?
2: Well, yeah, hopefully not taking away the actual uh, human element um, <laughs> in, entirely, and and the sort of that experience that you get with drinks, um, because you know you, there are um, schools of thought actually that um, the more you introduce technology, um, the more you take away um, some of those those qualities. But um, but really, um, digital is about enhancing the experience, enhancing the um, production of um, of drinks, and and helping businesses um, scale and be more effective um through uh through technology um so there's there's all sorts of different things there but it's it's important to note that it's not about taking away those those good qualities that you have with with drinks um they're they're critical
0: well you'll always have a need a human to to yep. drink wine so won't you ben
2: someone's got a drink it at of the course end of the day, yeah they?
1: Uh, yeah so, so what's um you mentioned digital maturity though how, how do you explain that to kind of the average joe like me what what's digital maturity
2: well essentially it, it's it's how far you are on that journey of harnessing digital so um you you do have particularly in in drinks and and wine I should say um you do have a lot of businesses that um are are at a very early stage in their digital maturity um which isn't necessarily a, a bad thing per se but um they're missing out perhaps on on some opportunities so um you take a small a uh, a small wine business uh, as an example um you know they they might not have much more than a, a basic website maybe a, a a a Facebook presence or something um but that that might be their starting point and they may be at a certain level of maturity. Um, so that's, that's fine. You know, that, that's what I can, I can help them with. Um, you will have businesses that are doing all sorts of interesting things with, with data, with automation and machine learning and, um, artificial intelligence, all this sort of stuff. Um, and again, you know, they're, they're at a certain stage of digital maturity, which is, is perhaps a bit higher, but yeah. there's more that they can do. What, what do you think in terms of, so a lot of the people listening to this
1: are, are wine drinkers. They love their wine. So what is the benefit of a more digitally mature business to them? So as a wine drinker, if a business is doing digital really well, what's that consumer getting? What, what's the wine lover getting out of the, out of the deal?
2: Well, they might get better prices. <laughs> yep, sure like they'll, they'll appreciate that <laughs> yeah um you know because there are efficiencies you can make um with with a business if you uh incorporate digital in the right way um through to things like their their distribution um you know if they're um if they're only being um distributed through um some um on on trade outlets um or 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 big um stores you know there's there's a lot of people and costs involved in in all of that whereas you know if they're selling direct or they're, they're selling through an online um business novel wines per, perhaps yeah um you know there, there are efficiencies in that which which have a lower cost base so so price could be a, an element mm-hmm. um but you know it could be about enhancing the experience that they have so as they um are consuming the wine Um, maybe there's there's more about the um the the story and the sounds and and the experience of perhaps where that wine's come from and um how to enjoy it with with different food pairings and that sort of stuff which Mm. um which can all be benefited from from digital um so lots of lots of different ways um, and it and it will depend on the brand and the you know what what that wine stands for and and everything. but um yeah, it's certainly not about taking away those good qualities of the wine itself and experiencing the wine. yeah
0: do you um work with a lot of independent um, businesses, and would you say that um, the independent drink sector is is growing a growing market
2: um yeah i mean i do do work with a lot of smaller independent um businesses and and there is a lot of um activity in in that space in in drinks and and i think um you know it's a really it's a really thriving world um not just in in wine but in Um, in spirits in beer um, craft beers exactly things like that yeah
0: and things like that really popular
2: and there's a lot of there's a lot of growth in in sort of no and low alcohol um drinks as well which um is really sort of bubbling up from small independents rather than um the big uh companies now Mm -hmm. the the big brands are taking notice of all this change and and they're they're also sort of um i guess fueling the uh, the entrepreneurs by building incubators and sort of investing in independence which takes away their independence okay. <laughs> ultimately yeah. but um but yeah yeah I think it, it really helps to sort of um, build a, a thriving community of, of new businesses in this space and and a lot of the time you know consumers want new stuff and new stuff is not always going to come from the big businesses but i imagine there's a lot of opportunity there right if if they're
1: independent businesses the story element is really important so we should see some innovation in telling that story and enhancing the experience of drink right so we should see over the next five years hopefully some kind of innovation in in the digital and much smaller businesses beating the maturity of the of
2: the larger businesses do you think that will happen yeah absolutely i mean there's there's a lot of um opportunity for um businesses to punch above their weight with digital so regardless of your size um if you've got a great story to tell and you're telling it in a really interesting way um that's not about how much money you have you know it's about creativity it's about um how willing you are to to try things that are perhaps different that are against the grain of the industry um because that's what that's what gets out there and that's what consumers will will pick up on um and yeah so i so i think i think innovation you know can really come from from all sorts of different types of businesses and and you don't have to just be one of the big players
0: yeah and not to give away your sort of trade secrets or anything like that, but um, what sort of, you know, top five tips do you give to an independent business or something like that um, about digital- digitalizing um, themselves?
2: Yeah, okay. So, I mean, it will will really depend on, on, on where they are and, and their ambitions and budgets. Um, but there are some, some basic things, you know, I think um, selling direct, is uh, a a great thing to do if you if you can um it might be on a small scale um but you're in complete control of the end-to-end experience that your customers have um and you know everything from the the purchasing experience to the data that you collect on your customers to the engagement that you can have with them um is all in your control and if you can do that um, it's very easy to set up a, you know, an, e- an e-commerce site. Um, y- y- you you then have that control. Now you might not be able to scale that, but that's that's one thing to start with. Um, social media, I think, is a, a, a pretty um, obvious one to um, to really get involved with. Um, it's got to be the right sort of content and the right platforms that make sense for your audience but um instagram's great for um sharing um the sort of imagery and 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 video and and experiences of your your brand um and and developing up a, a fan base through that so if you're not doing that um you know make sure you do and and you can find many willing people to uh, yeah. <laughs> to sort of get involved and help you on that a couple of other things I think data is is very important and it's you know it can be a bit of a boring subject but actually um, collecting data on your customers and building up your customer database and um, knowing how to use that data is something that everyone can learn so it might be about um, small bits of personalization um, you know just just referring to someone by by name um rather than dear customer yeah. uh you know it always, always helps but then you'll start to learn more about their preferences about how much they're willing to spend um you know what what types of, of offers to to share with them and that sort of stuff um so so data um i guess I'll, I'll probably leave it there for now yeah, in terms no. of tips yeah. <laughs> yeah, not, <laughs> as you say you to. don't want to give everything no away, no, no definitely not um Another so i guess though.
0: it sounds like you know just getting to know your target audience your target market and for us at novel wines it's all about the those people that love wines and the wanderers of yeah. wine <laughs> um, it's a
1: big thing to get that personalization right definitely because uh our customers want more wine that they enjoy. So the more we know what they enjoyed, the more we can help them. So that works really well. Um, I'm, I'm curious, John, if you've got anyone who you think is doing it really well in drinks, it doesn't have to be wine, but is there someone who's really kind of leading, leading the way of what they're doing at the moment?
2: Um, I think in, in, in certain different areas, um, businesses are, are doing well. Um, yeah. BrewDog uh, have done quite a lot in this space. You know, they they've um, they they've sort of led a lot of you know PR disruption. Um, I guess is a way to describe it in terms of what they they've done in um, in the beer industry. Um, but they, I think, what's interesting about them is that they're constantly looking at new things, mm-hmm. and they've become a brand that that was um small and um was the challenger and is now you know massively uh big and um but they they still have that that sort of brand image that is um is something that people want to associate with uh, which is a hard thing to do as you scale and you become the sort of mainstream um so and I think one of the ways they they do that is they're constantly doing new things and doing a lot in digital mm. um and um I guess disrupting the market that that they're in um so they're they're a good example I would say um I think you know some of the bigger companies are still doing some interesting things here as well um partly because they they are investing in um smaller businesses and sort of bringing them in into their um their, their fold and they've got the budgets to 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 put money into this so you do have um like innovation um divisions and incubators within a lot of the big companies now so you know from a beer perspective ab in inbev um do a, do a lot in this space Um, in Spirits you've got um, Pernod Ricard who do um, a lot specifically around digital innovation so things like connected um, glasses and bottles um, so that they're I guess they're they're sort of experimenting with what the future of the the bar is going to be like and what that means for customers, what it means for the, the trade, what it means for Um, for the drinks um, brands themselves. So I I would say there's pockets of great examples happening all over the place. It's it's interesting what you're saying because I wonder if you strip
1: back everything, the processes, the methods, all of it, do you think it comes down to essentially just that really basic thing of building relationships really well and having almost that face-to-face value convey... In an online setting, that that trust, which is the main reason people are buying, right, is they trust the brand. Do you think all this digital work is about bringing that on a scale, basically? So taking that small face to face value and pulling it, you know, nationwide, international, however big they are. Do you think that's the the core value, or is it something else?
2: Um, I think that's that's a good shout in terms of what it's trying to i guess mimic or 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 convey um because you know the more you can personalize an experience the um the more relevant it's going to be for people and and the higher value they'll attribute to it Hmm. so so in that sense yes it's it's trying to sort of get back to that that one-to-one relationship that you might have um just just between people um but i but i think there's probably more to it because it's not it's not just about getting close to that i think it's about surpassing that mm-hmm. so how you add to that experience um you know there's a lot of uh i guess you know um pros and cons and and, and discussion happening around things like augmented reality um there are various examples now of Um, brands in in wine you know in particular as well there have been examples here where um, brands are trying to convey their their story and you know add to their experience maybe a bit of PR as well by um, having an experience that you have via your device or your phone um, that conveys that and you know that's that's not necessarily what you would get just with a human relationship but it's it's adding to that experience now is that an example where actually this is technology taking too much of a Mm. of a role and detracting from the experience of, of the wine or is it adding to it and i think that's where the debate is happening and the investment in these areas isn't stopping so there's there's obviously some value in it but I think the you know this has got to ride out, and it's um, it's one that you know hasn't hasn't really been a story that hasn't really been finished.
1: Yeah, I like that, and I think as well, you've got your your pleasure seekers who would love the augmented reality side of things, and then you've got the people who just try and avoid mm. the daily pains of life, and kind of they're happy with this safe kind of comfort element. Um, but yeah, really interesting. Thank you.
0: So we've talked about that sort of that personalisation, that tailoring the experience to the consumer. Does digitalisation, uh, you know, the world of online and all that sort of thing, help independent brands reach, uh, you know, a global audience? Because obviously we've got novel wines, weird and wonderful wines from across the world um, that are being stocked um, and then can be sent out to, to whoever. So does it open up that, that door as well and take businesses perhaps based in the Southwest globally?
2: Well, yeah, absolutely, and I, I think this is this is one of the um, the, the biggest benefits of of digital, um, and it's that sort of democratization, really, between um, producers of anything and, and consumers, and being able to to reach an audience that is perfect for your product, um, but they don't have to be located near you. Um, so putting um, putting brands on on the map. And really opening that up um, is is an advantage. And and as I say, it's quite it's quite straightforward now to set up uh, an e-commerce site or or be able to to sell your product um, online. And I guess it's not just about the selling. Um, you know, there's there's a lot you can do just to get awareness about your um, particular drinks business um and and get people to sort of learn more about it and want to hear more and um subscribe for um uh, regular updates and um you know watch videos of of what you're 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 doing and and how um how this year is 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 stacking up in terms of the the wine um so there's a lot of that storytelling which again is is democratized and anyone can broadcast um, and uh, you can you can build up a fan base globally that are, are, are perfect for you and then when the time is right you can you can sell um it does get a little bit more complicated with um, particularly with alcohol in mm. in shipping um, and you know local tax laws and all that sort of stuff um I think over time that's be- gonna become a bit easier for for people but in the meantime there are lots of intermediaries that can help you know smooth that over and, and make that um an easier um territory to to start embarking on.
1: it's interesting because you mentioned content and storytelling quite a lot and I wonder if because we do a lot of content at novel wines you've yeah. got cheese pairings grape dictionary you've got the tasting notes producer profiles blog posts video podcasts <laughs> everything <laughs> do you think there's a point um where well, almost already with so much social media and news and everything where it's just saturation or do you think that now we're in this world it, it's a case of that is reality if you want to stand out you have to be making that level of content do you think there's a line or, or do you think it's a case of getting bigger and bigger
2: well I don't think the volume of content that's being shared around the world is going to go down. Um, so, you know, in that sense, I don't think there's there's a saturation um, from a consumer point of view. Um, there's there's too much, you know. Not people can't consume all of the the, the content that's out there. Um, but actually, that's not what it's what it's for. You know, people your content is going to be relevant to certain certain people and it's about making sure you get that content out to those people rather than saying oh well there's no point in us doing content because everyone else is doing content yeah um so so I, I do think there's more room for content and it will 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 be growing and continuing to, to grow and the challenge is finding where your content is different and how to reach the right people with it yeah
0: there's a stat um that's from uh, a very good twitter page that i've seen uh Guadino. um <laughs> <laughs> and i often see that uh, apparently 80 percent of um all internet traffic will be video by 2020 or something like that and that's obviously a very trustworthy fact um from <laughs> yeah. our friends at godino um just cool. wondering so, so is video you know the most important thing then in terms of digital digitalization struggling with that word. a podcast <laughs>
2: <laughs> well look i think there's lots of different um media formats um i think if you were saying oh look we're only going to do video because video is the you know it's the has the highest cut through and is, is is the best way of telling our story um i don't think that will work because it does take a bit of effort um and time and money to to create video content um yes you can do it very um cheaply i guess with just you know putting your 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 phone in the corner and pressing record um and a lot of that content is is great but you you need to complement it with other other content and um you know sometimes video is is not what your consumers are are, are wanting you know they might just want to see a, a bunch of instagram posts or um uh just you know an update on uh what what's happening today um just just with some words so i think it's it's about finding the right balance there um but yeah video content is 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 very strong podcasts you know have been surprisingly resilient uh, in 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 um the world of media and i i think um having a regular thing that people can follow and subscribe to is where podcasts really um become valuable and people can you know follow follow podcasts um while whilst doing lots of other other things so that there there has been a a lot of um growth i guess in in that area too yeah Um, definitely yeah
1: right well let's (laughs)
2: that's
0: good news ben yes discover and find this (laughs)
1: podcast all right thanks john uh right let's move on to our excellent little game now shall we
0: (laughs) yeah so the next part of the on the vine podcast is our blind tasting test so this is called where in the world
1: Yeah, so we're going to challenge you, John. We're going to taste the wine blind. It's a white wine today. Um, And I'm going to take you through the tasting process. So there's not a huge amount of pressure there. But if you can guess it right first time, um, the country that is, uh, you will win a place on our tasters of fame board um so far two out of three people on there very prestigious yeah very prestigious we got eleanor whitehead who works for noble wines and tracy chapman who is part of chocolate voyage it's her company (laughs) so um so john we're gonna get you to taste this wine uh go through the tasting process and see if you can guess the country first time
2: how do you feel uh well very nervous i mean getting getting onto that hall of fame is uh is is going to be pretty tricky but i'll give it a go excellent all right i'm going to drop loads of clues because i've been dropping lots of clues uh this series
1: so i don't want to make it unfair um okay so we're going to take you through john if you can um, let me know firstly or let the listeners know rather what color this wine is (laughs)
2: wow um It's certainly it has some sort of yellow, yellow orangey tinge to it, but yeah. it's
0: very light, isn't it? It's very light, yeah, very light.
1: so the lighting on the room is going to change the color a little bit, it gives it kind of a green gold hue, um, but it's actually quite water white this wine it's quite yeah. light, so you should expect quite a nice refreshing style. so let's have a sniff everyone, um, so you just put your nose right in, breathe in like normal, and tell me what it smells like. There's no wrong answer, so you can say wine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's my go-to answer.
2: It does smell quite sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Fruity.
0: I want to say melon.
2: Melon, which yeah.
0: Sort of like a honeydew melon.
1: I would agree with both of you here. It's really ripe fruit. And okay. it's got, yeah, honeydew melon. Uh, There's kind of a little rubber petrol smell as well, which is quite typical of this grape variety. Um, and you get alcohol heat as well, which will flare your nose hairs a little bit. <laughs> <Gosh>. <laughs> um, good with my hay fever. But yeah, it's quite fruity.
0: It's got slight, slight floral notes as well. Yeah, a
1: little bit of floral notes. Uh, The zestiness is probably more lemon, would you say? Mm. (laughs) Hmm. Give it a taste and tell me what it tastes like. Well, actually, firstly, tell me if you like it. Ooh.
0: Ooh,
2: it's got an unexpected... A little so kick, kick at the end, isn't yeah.
0: it? Yeah, yeah. I quite like that, though.
1: Like it? What does it taste like? What does it remind you of? <laughs> I
0: wanted I f- to say f- grapes. <laughs>
1: you know, you can say grapes.
2: <laughs> but, you yeah. know,
0: not the red grapes, other grapes. But obviously, because yeah. that's white, wine. <laughs> 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 that was like envisioning.
2: I don't know. We, I mean, we, we said it was quite fruity, but um, there's, I don't know, the, the sort of kick on it, mm. it almost sort of, it's a sour sort of... Yeah. The acidity is quite
1: high. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think the the citrus is quite a lime pithy citrus almost? Do you get that?
0: Yeah. um, Like grapefruity as well, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a bit of bitter grapefruit.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. As well. yeah. Yeah. And then underneath there, there's some white peach as well, which is giving that body because it's not light, it's quite No, it does have that little
0: fiery bit, Mm -hmm. you know, as it goes down the throat.
1: Yeah, so it's got a little bit more alcohol. Um, The acidity is quite high. The smell would probably give away the grape variety if you drank this wine. I don't know if that's clear or not. (laughs) But when you're thinking climate, basically we start with colour. So... Because it's really light, yeah, very light. Uh, yeah, you're probably looking cooler climate. Because the two things you need for colour is a thick skin and a hot climate. Okay. Um, so here it's probably a thin skin grape variety. In fact, this is a thin skinned grape variety, um, <laughs> and the colour is quite light. So you're thinking cool climate. If you're in Europe, we're kind of northern hemisphere, round about to the middle, down to the Rhone Valley, kind of latitude. And then, if you're thinking Southern Hemisphere, we're at Tasmania, bottom of Chile, all that sort of area. So, wow. that's probably quite a big conclusion. Was, <laughs> was so I'm trying to visualise the globe.
2: <laughs> um, any
1: ideas, John? You got you got an inkling?
2: Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go for New Zealand. Going go for New Zealand. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm I'm gonna stick stick at that.
1: State with New Zealand To be fair I can see what you're doing that. There's that tropical element There's a bit of sugar and there's the alcohol level As well as being quite fresh and citrusy However You are the opposite end of the globe Because we're in Germany for this uh. one <laughs> <laughs> Wow <laughs> um, But we are not cool climate Fresh Germany We are warm climate Fruity very ripe Germany so we're at the Rheingau Which is kind of central Germany You've got loads of fruit flavours in here. I'm gonna reveal what it is. It is Bebo Runge Riesling Trocken uh, from the Rheingau, and Bebo Runge is set up by uh, Kai Runge and Walter Bebo, who are two of the best winemakers in Germany. And um, this is the entry-level Riesling wine. So it retails at 18 at Novel Wines. We're drinking a bit warm here, which is why you taste the alcohol uh, <laughs> quite a bit more than you should. Yeah. Um, but it's quite a fruity, tropical, citrusy, high-acid white wine. And it's amazing with, like, smoked mackerel and things like that. Ooh, really nice, nice. Yeah, mm. you found a smoked mackerel, John? Or? Oh, yeah, especially yeah. with wine.
2: With wine, yeah,
1: there you go. <laughs> Perfect match. Or if anyone at home likes blue cheese, Riesling is a very good match for blue cheese as well.
0: Is that bottle shape typical of Riesling wines?
1: Yeah, so to describe it to people at home, it's like a a flute shape, it goes much thinner at the bottom. Yeah, if you Uh, turn it upside down, it's
0: almost like a champagne. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. So this is um, mainly used for wines that have strong aromas, so aromatic Mm -hmm. wines. A lot of Riesling, in fact, almost all Riesling is aromatic, so you smell quite a lot in the nose. Uh, other wines like Grüner Veltliner will be in these kinds of bottles, but bottle shape nowadays is marketing. Oh um, uh, yes, yeah. But I think
0: I remember it from our video that we did yeah. in that sort of shape, yeah.
1: But because reasoning is very often associated with that bottle, it becomes mm. very easily identifiable on a shelf.
0: It's quite a modern sort of looking um, sort of signage as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's a really nice label and uh, the Bebo Runge Winery is very young as well, so it's quite new. And is
0: that, Sorry, is this a horse and a, is it a rabbit?
1: Yeah, the horse and rabbit uh, label. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's a uh, horse and hare actually. Horse um, and hare. Yeah,
2: and they're kind of dancing if you like. <laughs> <laughs> they
0: look like they're going for a boxing match. <laughs>
2: brilliant this is is great visual description for an audio (laughs) podcast
1: yeah we should get people to send drawings in what does this wine look like (laughs) win a bottle (laughs) brilliant okay well we're going to move on to the final segment of our podcast what's our final segment
0: yes yes so the final segment is ask the experts so we've got a question um for john and a question for you ben excellent Uh, we'll start with um john so we're may have touched on it before but in terms of sort of digitalization um how do you digitalize wine let's say specifically wine
2: well um that's a good question so i'll, I'll try and take this in a slightly different way to to what i've answered um before um this so there's quite a a lot of experimentation i would say with um, how to how to create the perfect drink and whether that's a you know a a wine um or a, a, a distilled spirit or a, a beer um blend you know there are lots of different techniques and and ways to sort of get to that optimal um variety and digital is is helping to to do that in a, in a lot of ways so it could be about um measuring certain qualities of the the liquid um, as it goes through the, the process um, but also it, it can be about um, bringing in consumer feedback um, as part of that process so rather than just creating a, a wine and and sort of you know having a small small group of, of, of people um, uh, checking its consistency and 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 how it tastes and and then and then putting it out there to your consumers why not um find a way to actually share early versions of that wine with your consumers and getting feedback um back into the loop um to sort of tweak tweak things and that's where digital can help as long as you can get the product out to people in the right way so it could be leveraging your your trade network or or you know being at um, events where you can do tastings and that sort of stuff Um, but the digital element is is the sort of platform to support all of that um, which can enable you to get that that feedback and that data back into um, iterations of of a wine and that can that can make a better wine
0: so what i'm hearing is that vineyards should have sort of an open house party and welcome (laughs) wine lovers to the vineyard and and to test it basically
2: yeah i mean any (laughs) any way in which in which um consumers can get closer to the 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 wine that they they love you know i mean this is this is this is happening in all sorts of sectors um you know across across drinks but outside of drinks as well where if you open up your doors as you as you say to your fans um they're going to feel much more engaged and and um feel like they're they're part of that that brand um a bit like you know crowd crowdfunding and so on yeah, it's it's yeah. ways in which people can get closer um and you're getting as a brand you're getting a lot of great data and feedback um from it but um you're also building a closer group of, of advocates and and people who are more likely to to buy from you and, and share your, your message and so on. So I think, yeah, any excuse for a party?
0: <laughs> Definitely, it's my motto. <laughs> <good>.
1: <laughs> I saw this really good thing actually, where uh, they put a wine out and they crowdsourced the tasting note. So you had a hundred people in a room rate the wine on a dried sweetness level okay. and rate it in terms of what fruit they tasted and everything. And then it brought all that data together to make the tasting note. And in a way, it's like these tech review sites where you see the critic review and the user review or Rotten Tomatoes or whatever. It is that on a wine scale, which I think is a really good way to do things beyond a star review system. But yeah, it sounds really cool.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay, so Ben, the next question is um, for you. So um, obviously we've talked a lot about websites, social media, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um. So how do you firstly pick your wines and secondly how do you go about then thinking right this is good for the website this is good for different online social media platforms
1: so uh how, how do we put the wine first is uh quite interesting for us it's very easy to add wines to the list um but we make a very big point so when you sell someone hungarian wine or bulgarian wine or whatever um, you have to beat expectations uh because they aren't going to give that country a second chance like they would bad french wine or bad italian wine or something Um, because usually this is people taking a risk and if that risk doesn't pay off they don't commit next time so every wine we stock for its price point has to punch above its weight that's really important for us Um, so everything is tried and tested in the beautiful vineyard but also in our dingy warehouse (laughs) um, just to make sure it's good Um, and if we still love it we stock it Step two is every wine needs a story. So it can't just taste great. It's got to have a story because people are buying these wines uh, they've never tried before on more than just taste. They need to know why the producer's doing it. They need to know where it's from, what it looks like, what food goes with it, um, what's the best time to drink it, even wacky stuff like listen to this music while you drink it, which nine times out of ten will mean nothing. But for that one person is what they're looking for. Um, So we do loads of content, uh, as John was saying, it's an important thing to do. Um, And then in terms of putting it on the website, it's about not adding wines too quickly so we can tell everyone's story properly. We want people to find these wines and fall in love with them, not just browse the website and buy once. We want people coming back and we have one of the highest return rates in our industry. And I think it's because we do all of that really well. Or I hope we do anyway. Best way is to try our wine and find out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, for the wine wanderers at home that are listening uh, to this podcast, how do you utilise social media? How can they see what you do?
1: Uh, You can see what we do by liking us on Facebook. We're Novel Wines. Uh, Follow (laughs) us on Instagram and on Twitter, at Novel Wines. Uh, Yeah, we just... We do it really badly at the moment. We're very sporadic <laughs> and reactive, and we just publish when we want to. At least you're um, <laughs> yeah. uh, e- Even this content will go out very sporadically when I feel like it. But <laughs> pe- people quite like that relationship with us, and yeah. over time we are getting better. We are getting more people involved in what we do as well. That's a big part. One thing I don't want to ever lose is the authenticity. I don't mm. want to feel like a robot that has to publish 30 times on Twitter because you're yeah. supposed to do it once a day. Everything needs to be real. Yeah. Um, we can do that while we're small. Yeah, It's managing that as we get bigger. But yeah, I mean, follow us on social media and tell us what we're doing wrong. I mean, that's <laughs> the, that's the <laughs> it's best back way. And forth. Yeah. yeah, it's important, definitely. Um, or even better, tell us what we're doing right and we'll do more of that. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds good.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important. You're real wine people, do you know, and, and um, you've made the point, um, John, about how it's so important to, to you know, tell that story and keep that authenticity even when we're going digital and online and, and in some cases global. Yeah. So yeah, it's really an interesting chat about um, how to do that.
1: Great. All right. And John, do you have a question as well uh, for this?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, it'd be good to understand how you're responding to changing consumer demands so i'm I'm specifically thinking about um people who maybe don't want a whole bottle of wine or they you know it's a bit of a you talked about risk there you know it's will, will people buy a full bottle of something that they've not tried and they don't know about um maybe not but would they would they have a smaller bottle or a a can or or something else oh that's um, an interesting concept yeah, yeah. so you know how are you, how are you responding to to that specifically so it's interesting for novel wines because we're an online company there's a
1: very clear buying habit in the wine world which is the people buying online are stocking so the people who want to drink the wine that night are buying face-to-face still they're popping into their offline sense or they're going to a wine merchant Um, so we're competing in a space where people are buying by the case we do get single bottle orders and a big part of reducing that risk is having no minimum order so that our customers can try greek wine for the first time yes they have to pay delivery but they get a really interesting unusual bottle Um, so we do have people buying low risk but to get lower risk than a bottle is very hard in an online environment But when we open our shop later this year um, we will definitely have things like canned wines, we will definitely stock things like smaller bottles um, to give people that opportunity to try. I suppose the thing we do most of is running over 300 tastings a year where we have people booking privately or coming to our public events and having the opportunity to taste a glass of something and then buy it if they love it. Um, But we can only do that in a face-to-face scenario If we put a can on the website and people were encouraged to buy 250 mils of wine for 5 quid or something uh, and they had to pay delivery on top of it, it's a lot of effort for a single serve uh, wine. The only way it would really work now is to sell it in 12 or 24 packs and that again requires a commitment on the buyer's part to stock up. So it's quite an interesting mentality with wine where it's still very much a commodity. I think if we move into wine becoming more luxurious, um, or at least a lifestyle choice, um, then we might have people interested in buying smaller serves. But as it stands, from an e-commerce point of view, it's very much keeping no minimum order to reduce the risk, but looking at smaller serves in a face-to-face
2: environment, definitely. Okay, I would challenge that if I can Ooh. briefly, yeah, please because do. I, I think. Um, what you've seen in um, beer, in particular, and, and the sort of craft beer um, movement, is um, the rise of subscriptions, and um, for for people to to really explore new products um, without having to commit to either exactly, you know, one one particular variety, or, or kind of knowing knowing the choice to, to 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 go to in the first place. So. Is that a consideration perhaps thinking about scale and thinking about how to take your face-to-face um, more globally and, and to a wider audience? Is there a way you can bring tastings online? Yeah, I really like that. And I love the idea
1: of copying beer and having variety subscription boxes full of canned wine. My difficulty is the wines I've tried in can aren't good enough for novel wines yet. And I think it's only a matter of time until they are. So it would be very interesting one day to explore a variety box subscription of essential single serves. Um, I would argue wine isn't there yet. Um, And because I'm not a producer, I'm not in a position to change that. But there's a lot of people who are. Um, So I reckon in the next couple of years, that could be really interesting to explore, definitely.
2: So you're ready, you're just waiting for the wine to catch up?
1: Yep, that was that's pretty it. much it. So <laughs> come on, canned wine producers, let's see what you've got. <laughs> that's
0: amazing. That's an amazing idea. I think, you know, you've got that um, that certain brand that delivered sort of snacks through your letterbox. Um, so to have that with, you know, a few different types of wines to try. Yeah, it'd be really good. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I wouldn't complain. Okay, so we've got one really interesting uh, question from a member of the community. Um, so it says, robots are writing stories and creating recipes when will they be blending wine?
2: Excellent question. Yeah, I mean, Rise of the Robots. Robots are, are taking over our jobs and and um, going to be taking over the world. And, and it depends what sci-fi you follow, but uh, it's it's a uh, an interesting future ahead. And robots are doing all these things. Um, and there's also a robotic um, bartender. I don't know if you've you've seen no, seen not. that. They've got it at the um uh, that cool. the Barbican this summer in london but they um uh you know ro- robots are doing all sorts of interesting things here and they are creating um cocktail recipes they are um creating uh different um beer brews um and i'm i'm actually working with a brand uh, at the moment creating um a, a spirit that is um using data um that is then you know put through a, a machine learning algorithm um to come up with a, a particular recipe for the blend now um this can be done with wine absolutely um i think it's about bringing together that human element um with the machine element um and not just one or the other um so you know it's it's finding the right balance there and um, any wine producer that is up for doing something in this space um, I'd very much like to talk to um, <laughs> but uh, you know it's not it's not that difficult to actually bring an element of this in. Um, it's it's how you go about it and the story that you're going to tell and and whether you actually create something that is 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 great tasting at the end of it um you know these are going to be the measures of how um successful that is but yeah it's coming
0: i mean that's definitely a, a novel idea isn't it, a, <laughs> it is, yeah. robot blended wine um i'm not sure what i think about it though the, you know the robot bar barman um i guess you wouldn't you'd get the correct order probably but
2: um... <laughs> well they're actually doing a um the, the, the the sort of um, Barbican um, uh, activation of this that I, I mentioned—they're doing a, um, a man versus machine okay. challenge that's to see who can make the best cocktail. Oh. Um, now I don't know if it's the best cocktail or the fastest cocktail, or um, <laughs> yeah. hopefully it's a, a, a combination. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's—I mean, this is a this is a a, a long. Um, tested challenge between man and machine but I think um, it's an interesting area and wine producers should should definitely be looking at it
1: I think what would be really interesting is whether they can replicate theatre and art because a lot of cocktail making and a lot of wine service is theatre so yeah that would be interesting but I love that they're, they're playing with it that's great brilliant all right well thank you john for joining us it's been great having you here and learning more about uh digital and drinks um if you want to know more about john go to rewrite digital and you can find out more about him there uh thanks very much yaz for joining me it's Not been a, a pleasure as always and thanks to Cap from Gudino for producing this podcast uh i've been ben i've been yaz cheers cheers cheers